This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Cruise Control. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined on the phone lines by my friends Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and of course Ali Johan from BFM 89.9. Hello, guys. Hello, and uh, thank you for allowing me back on the show, guys. And, you know, good evening, everybody. <laughs> the show is not a show without Daniel Fernandez. So, welcome back. And uh, good to see the both of you, even though not in person. It, it's been an odd few weeks, right? We've been kind of on this rotation of sickness and wellness and being French and being in Japan and all over. The- some of us get to fly around while some of us just have to lay in bed and get sick. And while terrible. Others of us- terrible. Terrible. Um, Please stop flying around and stop going on holidays. <laughs> Anyway, enough of our uh, chatter. Uh, let's get on with the show, of course. A show in three parts, as per usual. We have some news at the top of the show. Uh, we've got some Proton news, some Honda news, and some uh, Carsome news. That we'll get to in a few minutes. Coming up in the middle, uh, we'll be having a bit of a discussion um, about EVs. And um, it's, well, you'll find out more. It's uh, something that's come from uh, somebody over in the UK. And then at the end, of course, a car review. It is the Toyota Innova Xenix or Xenix, if you uh, are from the UK. Xenix, Xenix, tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Ali, what have you got for news? Okay, let's kick off with a local launch. This week, Proton finally unveiled and launched the long-awaited S70, which is their C-segment sedan. It's essentially a rebatch Geely M Grand, Daniel. Yes, it's a rebatch car, but Proton did some work on it. As you can see, it's it's mostly still Geely, but put aside all that, it's a good product that has landed on our shores and its size to compete with the Honda Civic and the Toyota Altis. But the price competes with the Honda City and mm-hmm. Toyota Vios. And this is what that is, uh, you know, making it go viral on the internet and, you know, creating a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call, um, worry with the competitors. Because why now Malaysians who have been driving cars with around 100,000 budget or below, normally they're looking at ASEAN cars and they're looking at maybe buying a second-hand car. Now they can actually go and get yourself a you know a brand new Proton S70. And mm. also, all those people who used to drive Proton Previs and Proton Supremas, now it's time for you to trade in your car and get this S70. It comes in four variants, a 1.5-litre turbo engine, Daniel, right? As we were saying, spec-wise, it's in a C-segment, but price-wise, it's... Uh, I guess, closer rivals to uh, a B-segment um, Japanese companies. What are the prices we're dealing with here? Okay, to start with, I want to apologize. My guesstimate a few weeks ago... <laughs> see, Richard is laughing. My guesstimate a few weeks ago was a bit offline. You know, I uh-huh. guesstimated 5,000 less. See, and this is the first question I asked him today when he <laughs> sent through the news pieces. I'm like, okay, so what was our guesstimate? Uh, My guesstimate was starting from 68 thousand ringgit so now the price reveal starts from 73800 for the executive variant moves up to 79800 for the pre- premium trim and then the flagship gets it at 89900 now the flagship x which adds on a dash cam and a sunroof i mean a lot of people are saying you know why do we need a sunroof our weather blah 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 I love sunroofs. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because in the early morning, I don't need to switch on my icon. I switch on my, I, I, I just lift up, open my sunroof, you know? 
and in the late evenings it also works out quite well and then when it rains i don't have to you know don't have to worry about you know going home to wash my hair i just open the sunroof you know <laughs> that's it if you need a quick shower while you're on the move you know exactly it's ideal, right? the sunroof yeah. is very useful no seriously i think it's a useful feature it also adds a little bit of premiumness to the vehicle that mm. costs just 94800 Mm. Wow. So all below 100,000. The only thing is, you see, for, for, for the longest time, people are saying the sedan is, is, is leaving, the sedan is going, the sedan is being retired. Now, with Geely and Proton bringing in the sedan, they are trying to say, hey, it's not completely gone because there's still a lot of sedan buyers out there, still a lot of sedan owners out there who don't want an SUV, who don't want a crossover. I'm giving you an option now below 100,000 ringgit. Yeah, and it is the first sedan uh, by Geely for Proton after yeah. coming in with the SUVs like X70, X90, X50. So it starts from 73,000 up to 94,000. It puts it in the same ballpark as the City and the Vios. Bookings are open now, Daniel. And among the four trims, I mean, I know you like sunroofs, but would you pay 95,000 ringgit for the top spec? Well, history in Malaysia, used car history in Malaysia will tell you the high-spec vehicles always get sold first. That's number one. Number two, they would also tell you that people, when they go looking for a used car, they'll always ask, well, you go higher spec, go higher spec. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when Mazda brought in the CX-5, then they had the sunroof and then without the sunroof. People wanted the sunroof, whether they used it or not, they want the sunroof. Mm. You know, so I'll, I'm thinking nine-year loan, seven-year loan, just get the sunroof, why wait? That's it. If I was buying it second-hand, yes, that's the one I'd go for. If I was buying it new, maybe middle, you know, 1.5T, the premium right. version, maybe. Right. Yeah. So that's the S70. We're looking forward to seeing it on the Malaysian roads. I'm sure it's going to sell very well. Uh, a big launch party as well. I saw uh, lots of videos and photos of it, Daniel. Yes, yes. They had it at the Axiata Arena in Bukit Jalil. Massive. Oh, yes. Uh, Honda also announced uh, a new SUV. It's not really new. You know, this is a, an SUV that's been around 20 years yes. already in our markets. Uh, but they announced a new Honda CRV, which is uh, going to arrive in December this year, now open for bookings in Malaysia. And you know, when the CRV first came out, I, I remember this because I was not in this business. I was I was doing something else and I looked at it and said, SUV, old man car, you know, <laughs> nothing great. And I remember a few years after it came out, the, the first generation, you know, somebody I knew bought one and I got into it and I thought to myself, this is so spacious. Rear legroom is fantastic. You got that whole, you know, spare tire sitting in the rear tailgate with that, you know, very macho American SUV look. And at that time, there were no rivals because the Toyota RAV4 was not officially uh, available in Malaysia yet. Yeah, they've come in two variants, one and 1.5-litre turbo engine producing 193 PS with 243 newton meters of torque. But also... Yeah. A higher spec, an EHEV. Uh, Honda's been putting on EHEVs on all of their new cars in the last year. Correct. And this one is no different. The CRV comes with a 2-litre EHEV hybrid powertrain as well. What do we have here, Daniel? Well, you got, again, another new product full of technology. You've got Honda Sensing, high-quality safety features. You've got infotainment system. You've got Apple CarPlay, uh, Android Auto, which they all want. But more importantly, look at this vehicle. Look at the, the, the features. Look at the design of it. It's very European. It doesn't look Japanese at all, if you ask me. It's curvier, right? Japanese stuff tends to be a little bit more angle, uh, angled, I, I feel. Yes, and because it's got so little chrome on it, I love it. Mm. Yeah, it looks good. Ah. 
Wait, I just want to rewind a bit. You haven't always been in the car industry, Daniel. I thought you were born into the car industry. No, That's kind I'm, of come out of nowhere, you see. I, you see, I was born as a car enthusiast. But ah. I only joined the car industry 23 years ago. Before oh. that, you know, I, I, was a, I was a humble employee of somebody, you know. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for the history lesson. Well, right. so Sikh Generation LV, is it going to be locally assembled as well? Yes. Uh, and, you know, I got to say this. I know a lot of people are already talking about it. The price will be inching upwards, just like with all new Honda products, because of the added technology, the added safety features. And of course, because of our currency, you're looking at about maybe 100, my guesstimator, 180 to about 190,000 ringgit. So that's you know? uh, the new 2023 Honda CRV out in our markets. They're already accepting bookings online, or you can use yes. the Honda Touch app if you have it, or you can call 1 800 882020 as well as head over to honda.com.my for more info. If you want a test drive, it's coming next month. Uh, bookings are open, of course. CRV is a very popular car in Malaysia. All generations, we, we see a lot of them on the roads. This week as well, Smart Malaysia officially revealed uh, the pricing for the much-anticipated uh, electric vehicle called the Smart Hashtag One, Daniel. Yes, this car has been previewed and teased <laughs> and tickled for, I think, six months, you know? The reason for that is very, very simple. A lot of other car manufacturers in the electric car space, as soon as the government gave that whole, you know, um, free tax period, boom, they just shipped in the cars. They just rolled it off the ship, put it into showrooms, got some nice showrooms done, slap on some paint, put a signboard and started selling. Now, the guys at Smart, which is um, from Malaysia, it's ProNet, they were a little bit more cautious because why they wanted the cars to be field tested. They wanted to have them, uh, you know, driven around Malaysia, see how it uh, uh, works with humidity, you know, extreme heat and extreme driving pressure in, in traffic jams. They did all that. On top of that, they made sure there were enough outlets for people to go and buy these cars around mm. the country and charging stations. So these cars are coming directly from China. Now, there's a little bit of confusion with a lot of Malaysians because I've been asked this question very often when it comes to the word smart hashtag one. Now, smart is a product of Mercedes-Benz. Yep. Now, I'm sure Richard will remember this. When he was a young lad, they had a smart for one. Yep. Smart for two, sorry. Which I remember that. Like a yep. Smart for one, yeah. It's yep. like a motorcycle, you know, squashed, you know. <laughs> yeah. It became a bit bigger. Then they had Smart for four, which is also a very small car, which is about the size of the current MyV, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, it was all made by, by it was all produced by Mercedes-Benz, but using Mitsubishi engine technology. They did quite well. They sold in Malaysia. There were two outlets, one in KL, one in Penang. Unfortunately, the cars were fully imported. And for such tiny cars, the prices were too high. Yeah. Okay. So even in Europe, places like Italy, Paris, um, uh, you know, Madrid, Barcelona, crowded cities, you see a lot of these smart cars because why? People just want it as a commuter vehicle, and because of the harsh weather conditions and you know winter conditions and all that, motorcycling is not favorable, right? Mm. So these cars were popular there, but this part of the world not so popular. Now comes Smart Hashtag. Now, Smart Hashtag is the new generation of smart cars in collaboration with Geely because Geely has bought into the smart car business with Mercedes-Benz. Mm. So the smart car is designed by Mercedes-Benz mm. but built by Geely using Geely battery technology. Okay. Oh, I thought it was the other way around, using Mercedes engine built by Geely. No. No. So Mercedes is just designing the vehicle, giving it the whole design function, cabin features, quality, uh, you know, the way it's put together and everything else. Right underneath, you've got everything from Geely because Geely is already working with Volvo, Polestar, mm. 
Link and Co. They've already got the battery tech sorted out. You know what I mean? Right. Mm. Okay. So why reinvent the wheel? I just take it and put it underneath a, a Mercedes Benz byproduct. You know? Yeah. Okay, so with this hashtag uh, one EV, we got three variants uh, ranging right. from uh, the Pro to a uh, Brabus trim, right? Prices, Daniel, and their ranges. Okay, now prices are a bit interesting because now you know, uh, initially these cars were going to come in at above two hundred thousand ringgit. That that was what we heard through the grapevine, not a guesstimate, heard wow. through the grapevine. Now what happened is Tesla launched and they said, "Hey, we got to hit them right hard in their territory." So. The smart hashtag one pro, which is the base model, starts at 189,000 ringgit, right side by side the base Tesla. It's got a 315 kilometer range. Now the next up is a smart one premium, at 440 kilometer range. It's just 219,000 ringgit. So that's about you know 30,000 ringgit more Now if you think about it, if you're going to buy an electric car and you're taking a seven year loan, 30,000 ain't going to change your mm, lifestyle. Mm. You know. Now you have the smart hashtag one Brabus. Now a little bit of history again. Brabus is a tuning company from Bottrop, Germany. Bottrop is a small town in Germany, you know, surrounded by farmland and all. Um, they were tuning Mercedes-Benz vehicles for years, like another division called AMG, you know. Mm-hmm. But Brabus was owned by one man, Bodo Bushman, nice guy, very passionate. Now what happened is the Brabus name became so so familiar, so famous. That smart decided to bring them in. I know it's electric car. There's there's no tuning, but you know they give it a bit more speciality in terms of interior, in terms of rims, in terms of you know driving dynamics. They've made it a bit more special, and so it's got 400 kilometers of range, which is not as good as the smart hashtag one premium, but it, it's costing 249,000 ringgit. Now the extra money you pay is basically to have that whole Brabus experience. Why is it got less range? Same battery. But the problem is, it's much faster. Oh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, because Brabus is a tuning company, so I have to give you a faster EV. Now, yeah. I think EVs are already so fast, you know. <laughs> oh, so do you really need to go faster in the EV? Well, some people really do, so they give you that option. They just want the branding as well, right? I mean, you know, yeah. you, you slap Brabus on it, or you slap AMG on it, or you slap M on it. Yeah, it, it's it, it's going to sell in, in buckets. I have a little bit of a history lesson regarding smart as well. Do you want to hear it? I can give you please, a bit. Share. Did you know where, where the name smart comes from? Where it's derived from? From your kindergarten when you were studying there, and you were so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But no, um, it comes actually because there was a cooperation back in the day between the Swiss watch company Swatch with Mercedes Benz. So it was Swatch Mercedes Benz Art because back in eighty uh, two. The makers of the Swatch brand, a company called SMH, the CEO Nicholas Hayek was the guy that wanted to start the Smart brand. So there you go. You are right. It just triggered a memory of mine because I remember decades ago at the Frankfurt Motor Show, they were being displayed side by side. Yes, you're right. Yes, oh, there you go. Cool. Hmm. So we're learning. We're both learning something today. Yeah, exactly. man. We're all learning. It's, it's ah. constant education. <laughs> there you go. One business news in the local market: we are seeing and hearing uh, reports of Carsum. The used car platform retrenching workforce. Bloomberg just reported that the Custom Group are re- trying to reduce costs. Uh, they're trying to reach profitability before going uh, for public listing, right? Yes. Yeah, so I heard about this uh, through one of the tech websites, and 
uh, it, it said that they are retrenching people uh, outside Malaysia. So I thought, okay, fine. You know, it's outside Malaysia. Maybe the business model there are not working as well, or you know, there's too much competition. Doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't affect us. I'm not I'm not too bothered about it. But then, but then, a person I know from LinkedIn who used to be in the car market, he used to be someone I used to deal with, contacts me and said, oh, you know, I've lost my job. Do you know if any other car company is looking for, for my position? I said, you work for Custom, right? He said, yeah, I've lost my job and my whole team, there's about four of us, we're all going. I said, I thought it was only overseas. He said, no, no, no. There's a whole bunch of us in the local office going. So, And then another person contacted me and said, hey, you know, this is happening. Uh, I know you've written about it before and, you know, I want to let you know that they're, they're, they're not doing so well. So, of course, I took the news from Bloomberg. I wrote it. I put it up. And then a whole bunch of other people started contacting me and saying, yeah, you're right. You know, these people are not being fair to us and all that. Well, you know, business is business. Whether they're being fair or not, that's not our question. The question is now, they are a ship that was so large. I think they're like the Titanic. They hit an iceberg. They can't stay afloat right now. They have to unload because you want to keep, you want to keep the ship afloat, right? Mm. So all that expansion and, and everything that they did before is all scaling back now to a smaller ship. Yeah, just two days ago on Nikkei Asia, they, they, there's another article on there where it, it is, uh, the headline is Malaysian unicorn Carson keen to expand into Southeast Asia. So, you know, there's mixed messages coming from everywhere. We have one yeah. side of the seesaw telling us we are expanding and the other side, and we're hearing this, you know, people being laid off. What right. is the real story? Well, I know that the people being laid off are for real because you can also see them on LinkedIn asking for jobs. Right. And these are not junior guys. These are people in management, not very senior, but still in management. People with 10, 15 years experience in the workforce. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for them to get another job is not going to be so easy right now. Right. Okay. On that note, we do have to wrap up for this section. I'm sure there's going to be more Carsome news coming over the next uh, weeks and months, which we will be discussing. We do have to take a short break, though, here on Cruise Control. We'll be back right after these messages with a little bit of news from Mr. Bean. Yeah. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm Rich Bradbury, of course, joined by Adi Johan and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. We had some news there, of course, the Proton S70, uh, some stuff about the Honda CRV, the smart hashtag one, and a little bit of teasing news of Carsom. Uh, now, though, we have a bit of a discussion. Uh, and this is something that uh, my good friend Rowan Atkinson, uh, CBE, of course, uh, said in a recent interview. Uh, what did he say, uh, Daniel? Now, this interview was done in June this year. So, a lot of people are saying, old news, don't bring it up. What's wrong with you? But <laughs> old news or not, it surfaced a week ago on our Malaysian social media. People started sharing this article from, from uh, Daily Mail UK uh, because... I think, you know, it never reached our shores because no one really reads the Daily Mail here, you know? Nobody reads the Daily Mail in England either, to be fair. But, I didn't want to know. say that because, you know, your, 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 it's your favourite paper. But anyway, <laughs> so it came out. And, you know, it's very well written by Rowan himself, you know, um, CBE. Uh, now, he, he says that, you know, uh, there's no real reason to go into the electric car ownership. Uh, and what he's, what he's actually saying, I, I don't know if you guys have been following, a lot of car company bosses, even the Stellantis boss recently, just a, a few days ago said, we are ready to walk away from going 100% electric. Okay. 
you know so their car company bosses now already staying and i don't know if you know this Volkswagen has already scaled down their electric car production okay uh, some of the other bigger players are slowing down on new model launches others are reducing their r&d right now on electric cars and there are some who are saying we will still be 50 50 that means we'll do electric cars but we'll also do combustion engine cars uh, mostly petrol of course not diesel so that means this whole movement to go 100% electric is not really happening meanwhile in japan all the car manufacturers are sitting and celebrating because they were saying this from day one you know mm-hmm. and now they realize now they, they understand that the europeans have realized that this is not a viable project right now you know maybe 30 40 years when the battery technology gets more uh, cheaper better distance and using less rare earth materials when it's more environmentally friendly essentially Correct. so rowan's uh, article he also explains that you know he's he's educated in the automotive sphere mm. he's got a degree in electrical and electronic engineering you know Mm. And and if you Google this man, this man, okay, yes, he's a comedian, he's done well, he's an actor and everything else. But he has got a massive collection of cars. Yeah. Uh, performance cars, AMGs, M cars, you know, Paganis, Porsches, Ferraris. He's got a massive collection. He knows his cars. He's, he's, mm. he's an enthusiast, mm. you know. Mm. And then he goes further to say, listen, you know, let's let's talk about synthetic fuel, which what mm. Porsche is developing. Now, synthetic fuel at the moment is 10 times the cost of regular fuel. You know, without subsidies. Mm. But that's because it's being produced in such a small batch and also because one company, maybe another two or three, are investing in the R&D. Now, if it gets more popular, the cost could come down to maybe double, for example. You know? Mm. Mm. And then it'll make a lot more sense. Because why? Then people don't have to shift their cars. Now, if I'm... if I'm, You see, I've got four cars at home, all petrol-powered, Okay. If I'm going to shift all those four cars into electric cars, because, you know, my wife, my two kids, myself, if I shift, what am I going to do with my four old cars? Am I going to dump it? And there's no reason to dump it because they're all working perfectly fine. He was an early adopter of EVs, though, wasn't he, if I remember rightly? Yes, yes. He did He did buy a few EVs just to, you know, tinkle himself, you know, get his toes wet a bit, you know, just tickle, you know, the, 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 the thought process. And, you mm. know, just like him... There's another car collector uh, and, and, a, and a celebrity, you know, Jay Leno. Yeah. Now, yeah. Jay Leno also has a fantastic, we all know his collection. But he has said many times he's not really, he didn't say no to EV, but he said he's not really taken by that technology right now. And it feels so, you know, detached from the drive, mm. driving field, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I read Rowan's article briefly, and I, I think I took away maybe six points from it. Uh, which I thought was interesting. Okay. Uh, the first is 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 the manufacturing impact, like like you mentioned, stuff like lithium-ion batteries and how it's energy-intensive and environmentally taxing. That was the first thing that I, I right. noticed. The impact of that environmental damage was the second thing I noticed. His alternatives that he pushes forward to, to EVs, um, like you know, hydrogen is a promising option that he mentioned. Uh, even companies like JCB, the you know who do heavy trucks and whatever, have invested in, in in hydrogen. And one thing that really did strike me though, which I think is I think the main important that I took away as being the mo- most important thing from this article is this idea of the life cycles of cars, particularly you know, nowadays, it's almost like fast fashion culture on cars. You know, we talk about this here a lot, about how, you know, you you might go out and you might buy a a new Proton tomorrow, and then in five or seven years, you might sell it on. You know, whereas 
our parents, Daniel, I'd imagine, would would buy a car, and for the most of the time, they would own that car for you know twenty, thirty years, exactly. perhaps. Exactly. You know, that's me. And, I will keep a car for as long. Yeah, as exactly, and and now we we're, we're seeing and, in, and indeed promoting, you know, um, buying a new car every kind of ten years. I feel, and he's against that, which I'm in total agreement with. Right. I also think you know by having the electric car, it's it's a great alternative. Yeah. You know, it's a great alternative. I mean, if tomorrow my son starts working and he says, Dad, I want to buy an electric car, I won't stop him. I'll say, go, buy. I'll yeah. try and get you a discount. I know somebody, you know. Yeah. Uh, we should hope so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you want to you you uh, fit a charging uh, wall box in the house and, and charge it. I'll say, great, do it. No problem. I'm not going to stop you from doing it because that is your future, you know. Yeah, yeah. But now, for me, to convert into an electric car, I must get an electric car that I know for sure is going to give me some sense of excitement, a little bit of ex- excitement. Mm, now, mm. everyone talks about acceleration. Every time you talk about electric car, especially you get older people, and you say, wow, this car accelerates so fast, and it costs only this much. Mm. Yes, because there's instant talk. That's great. Number two, they all get excited over the infotainment system. Now, mm. we know there's a lot of products coming out there with great infotainment system. Okay? Mm. Petrol-driven cars with great infotainment system. Now, all these infotainment systems, at some point, will hang. Mm. Yes, you can restart and everything else. But are the workshops and the after-sales ready to accept all this? Mm. Mm. Okay? We've seen the downfall of plug-in hybrids. I use the word downfall because the resale values are just plummeting. Because these cars are now five, six, seven, eight years old. You look at the repair costs. I was just dealing with one premium brand repair cost last week. A friend of mine, plug-in hybrid, 37,000 ringgit on a car that's only traveled 47,000 kilometers. Oof. Ouch. Means our workshops don't have capacity to take on these cars and their cases. No, they don't have the equipment because the equipment is very expensive. So you have to go back to the dealerships. Now, to me, the greatest benefit of the electric car and the plug-in hybrid car is that the dealerships now control after sales. You will no longer go Bawa Poko, the workshop near your house and all that. Because they will say, sorry, I cannot touch your car. Mm, mm. See, that's the greatest advantage of having this. So the manufacturers working with the dealers are saying, maybe your, your sales margin is lower, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reward you with great after-sales profits. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is business, you know. Mm. Plus, you've got this influx of China-made electric cars coming in. Fantastic products. I've seen some of them even before they've launched it because I've been able to travel and see these cars. I've test-driven them. They're amazing. The quality, the refinement and everything else. But this is all brand new. Mm, mm. After they've been on our roads for four, five, six, seven years, will they have decent resale value? Today, if you look in the used car market, electric cars that are five, six, seven years old, nobody wants to buy them. That's right. That's right. And I think that's my biggest issue. I think that's, they just sat there, get, get, you know, they're not even rusting because, you know, most of them don't have any metal parts on them, I, exactly. I guess. <laughs> you know, and, they, and they're very strong vehicles because they're made to withstand a lot of uh, impact because of the battery pack. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, you don't hear anyone promising lower battery replacement prices. Everyone is saying, when it happens, come and see us. No, your battery will outlast your car. Yes, there have already been cases of batteries lasting 10, 11, 12 years. But we don't know. There could be a faulty battery out there on mm. the seventh year. There could be a faulty uh, uh, transformer on the ninth year. You know. Mm. Next thing is also, 
electric cars when they have an accident, 99% in in Europe and America, they're immediately scrapped. They're not repaired because the insurance company says it's too expensive to repair. We just scrap them. Yeah. Now, when I talk to insurance providers here, they're all shrugging their shoulders and saying, we don't have a comment right now. <laughs> Which is less than helpful. Yes. They're not ready for it. Exactly. They've not thought about it. They're not ready for it because I think they also going back to the manufacturers and asking, okay, this car had an accident. How much you change A, B, C, D, E? Can I increase the premiums against all the other ICE cars? No, I can't. Because why? Insurance in Malaysia is regulated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this will come up in, in the next one or two years. So Rowan Atkinson has probably thought about all this. He's probably looking at it from the UK point of view. You're from the UK, Richard. Do you see p- people repurposing you know, uh, hybrid batteries in the UK? Not that I know of. Not exactly. that I know of. Yeah. Exactly. I know I mean, in America they're doing it. I know in Japan they do it. Yeah. But I, I mean, there the, the might be, but I, I nothing that I've I've come across is yeah. Because yeah. because for me, if if a car company or, or you know someone is really doing this, they'll proudly say, you know, hey, listen, we got a repurposing battery factory in blah blah blah, and we're repurposing already nine thousand batteries, and we're doing hundred a day, and you know, and and I, they're being used for this, you know. I do believe BMW do that. Um, yeah. I, I believe I, they, they repurpose a lot of their batteries and they use them for other stuff at their warehouses and at their factories and something. Correct. Um, I remember reading that somewhere. Um, okay. I think we're running out of time, but anything you okay. need to add uh, for that Mr. Bean has said that we've not picked up on? Uh, sorry, I think Rowan. we shouldn't laugh at Mr. Bean when it no, comes I, I to talking about no, no. Yes. Uh, he drives around in a wonderful Mini. Uh, yes. But no, in, in all seriousness, the guy is smart. He knows his stuff. And I think there's some of the points I I, I take and and I agree with him. But then I also have to, you know, like all of us here, we we need to look at how the market is moving and where things are going. But if if it's starting to slow down already and we're hearing about this, I don't know. Where where Mm. are we headed next? Is the ICE car going to have a second peak? Is that what we're looking at, perhaps? Mm, Like a revival. Like a revival almost, yeah. Okay. That's something we should be talking about in a future show, Daniel. We should, we should. All right, Uh, let's take a short break. And of course, when we come back, we do have a car review. The Toyota Innova Xenix. 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 I don't know which it is, one or the other. We'll be right back. BFM BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. Uh, my name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined, of course, by Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Into the final stretch of the show, it is the car review, the Toyota Innova Xenix. Uh, tell us a bit more about this. They announced it uh, late last year, I believe. Yes. So, first thing I'm gonna first thing I'm gonna ask both of you guys: Have you seen it on the road? He does this a lot, you know, Ali. He, I yeah. No. I can't no, say we're both, we're, we're both going to say no. <laughs> okay. Now, for Richard, I can understand no because you live in an upmarket neighborhood, you know. Uh, Most people drive premium you know, cars and electric cars. Ali, I know you You live in a you know a middle-class neighborhood. I've only seen the old Innovas. Okay. More but than the this. new one? No, not at all. Okay. So, I actually have seen maybe a handful, five or six in my neighborhood. And I live in a middle-class neighborhood. So, this vehicle has been launched... Uh, if if you go back to history, the Innova is something that has been bought by middle class and lower, even lower middle class families. Because when it first came out, it was called the Kijang out of Indonesia, right? 
and it was designed in Indonesia. It was designed as a Indonesian only vehicle, as the Kijang, and then they called it the Answer, and then they they started selling it in Malaysia and Thailand. It became so popular it had a 1.8 liter engine, nothing special, but it worked well. It was very robust, very well built, leather frame. Uh, it was you know not the most comfortable. But, you know, you could abuse it over and over and over. Today, you see the older ones being used by school transporters, you know, all, all older generation, you know, using it just because they're waiting for it to just collapse, you know. But it doesn't collapse. It just keeps going. It's got an old cast iron engine. And then, of course, over the years, newer Innovas came out. And, you know, it was, you know, two-liter engine. Then they had VVTI engines. Then they had rear air conditioning. Then they had, you know, much nicer chassis and uh, more comfort. Now, I think Toyota decided that, you know, it's time for us to take take it out of this cheap and cheerful nature and get it into the MPV SUV segment. So even though it's an MPV, you know, it's supposed to be an MPV, it looks like an SUV, you know, flat arches, broad shoulders, big wheels, and of course, a very stylish exterior. Now, if mm. you look at it, it could almost be a Corolla Cross. Yeah. 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 You know, with more heft. Now, this is why it's called the Xenix. The Xenix name was given to it as an additional thing simply because they wanted to give it you know, something that's a bit more um, uh, uh, a premium. The Xenix comes from the word Zenith, which means you know, peak performance. Mm. Anyway, so now there's two versions. There's a hybrid version and there's a petrol-driven version. Now, we were given the petrol-driven version, like I said earlier. It's a 2-liter engine with a 10-speed CVT gearbox. It's got a decent 174 brake horsepower. It's got 205 newton meters of torque. That's much more power than the earlier version of the Innova. The last version of the Innova had a 2-liter engine that only had 139 horsepower and 183 uh, newton meters of torque. So now it's got more power. It's got more uh, a better gearbox, uh, more shifts in it. But it's because it's a bigger vehicle also. If you look at the pictures that I've, I've put up on my, on my website, DSF, you've got, you know, three rows of seats like before, but it's wider seats. And in the third row, you can actually put three people. So this is actually an eight-seater. Mm. And why three people in the rear? Because they've got seat belts for three. Ah. Huh. Ah. So once you have seat belts for three, you can put three people in the third row, three people in the middle row, and two in front. So there's an eight-seater. Mm. Then you've got like electric tailgate, you got a high riding dashboard. You got a big screen right in front with all your, you know, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto and all your functionality. The seats to go up and down quite easy. Now, uh, my staff, who's six feet two, managed to fit in the third row easily. Of course, his knees were up when we put back the seats, but you know, he can still fit in and get in and get out. So it is a spacious vehicle. It makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Now, the only problem with all this is the price. The price now is moved up to hundred and sixty-five thousand ringgit. Wow. The previous version, which was just a few years ago, was priced between 111 to 129,000. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that's almost a 36,000 ringgit move up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now you put aside whatever cost and technology and everything else, it's a big movement upwards because this car has now moved up to a different segment. Okay? So it's no longer competing with cheap and cheerful. It's competing with what? The the Proton X90. Yeah. Okay, which is an SUV. And this is not. But, you know, if you look at it side by side, it's almost the same size, same wheel size, same heft, uh, cabin space, features, everything else. Of course, the Proton is using a 1.5 uh, turbocharged engine. Then you got things like the Mazda CX-8, which is a seven-seater also. 
which is about 180,000. Then you got the new entry, the Cherry Tigo 8 Pro. Yeah. That's what about about 160,000, right? Something like that. 167,000 and it's a seven-seater. So now... uh, you know, Toyota is saying, I want to play in this in this this range. Now, playing this range is very, very tricky because why? People think of it still as an MPV. You see, mm. if they if they had called it a Toyota Xenix, they can get away with it. Mm. But the fact that you have the name Innova still there, previous Innova buyers who wanted to upgrade will say, hmm, 36,000 ringgit more? I think not. You know? Mm. Mm. So... A big price hike from the previous one. Does it drive much better than the previous one? Okay, so if you if you were to get say now a hardly used previous model, you know some something that you know that that's almost new la, and you get into this, eh, it's a world of difference because mm. the previous platform was very you know commercialized. You know what I mean? Mm. It, it was a bit bumpy, you know. At certain speeds, you feel it wallowing a little bit. Not that it's bad, but it's designed on that platform. Seat comfort is not that great. Uh, you put three, you put three people in the middle row. Is you know you start rubbing shoulders a bit tightly because it's not that wide. Now, if you take this vehicle, take the same route, wow! You say, hey, I'm in a premium vehicle. It might not be completely premium, like you know, two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand um, uh, Toyota, but it's comfortable. It's got rooftop aircon vents. The seats, you know, they can slide up and down so you can get more or less legroom for the middle row seating. Uh, front seats are electric powered, you know. Hmm. You've got a nice, decent sound system, you know. Is it, is it worth a 30% price hike, Daniel? Okay. That is the question now. You see, when I test drove it, I actually, you know, went to visit a couple of people I know just to get their feedback. And these are people who like seven-seaters. Mm. They like, you know, they like MPVs and SUVs and all that. Now, they also own current seven-seater SUVs. I didn't tell them this was an Innova. I just told them, hey, I got this new Toyota. You want to come and try and have a look? So, of course, they got in. They, they, they you know, they sat inside. One of them wanted to test drive it. And, and one of them actually said, it drives just like my SUV. But then when I told him, it's an uh-huh. Innova. Oh, Innova, this is a cheap car, huh? You know, because he relates the name to a $120,000 vehicle. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you, if you take away all that, you see, consumers are very, very weird sometimes because if they, if they relate a vehicle to that, to that um, segment, they will not take it up another segment even though you tell them, no, it's much better, you know? Mm. Mm. It's like the Corolla Cross at 118,000 ringgit. A lot of people thought, ah, it's just another cheap Toyota. But when you get into it and you drive it, Wow, it's comfortable, it's nice, it's roomy, it mm. drives well. So this is another another thing which they've done because why? The Corolla Cross price is very close to the old Innova price. So they needed to push this up and then they, they fill it up with better features and of course they get with bigger wheels, more heft, more tech, more safety features and then, you know, it's up to you whether you want to buy it. So this is why you don't see a lot on the road right now. I see. Uh-huh. And also, and also, the older Innova was also a taxi. This one ain't going to be a taxi at 165,000 ringgit. Yeah. It'll be the premium limo taxi to the airport. <laughs> They'll still use the old Innova. <laughs> it morphed into becoming a taxi because of the space. And, you know, MPVs yes. are always popular for the size in the boot. But there's right. always, um, I guess, uh, a trade-off. Seven-seaters don't usually have big boots. Correct. Correct. So, you see, even if you pick up, say, a family of five from from the airport, you know, 
mm. and and you go in a in an older Innova, you can put half of the rear seat down, you mm. know, to make space to put in some big luggage, and then one person can sit, and then you still got another, you know, four passengers in front. Yeah. With the driver, so you you had that that versatility, you know, because the seats can can fold individually. You, mm. you don't have to fold. You know, it's not a it's not a complete seat to mm. fold down completely. You can fold mm. one half of it. So these are little things that made the Innova great as a taxi, also. Yeah. Okay, right then. Um, I guess that's the conclusion, then, I suppose. True. Folks, uh, thank you very much for tuning in, of course, uh, to this week's episode of Cruise Control. If you did miss any part of the show, recommend you go and uh, download the podcast. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's for our app, of course. A show in three parts, as usual. We had some news at the top of the show uh, about the uh, Proton S70, the Honda CRV, and the Smart Hashtag One. And, of course, a little bit of news about Carsum. A discussion in the middle about EVs, how Rowan Atkinson is suggesting that we don't jump on the bandwagon just yet. Uh, and then, of course, that review there of the Toyota Innova Xenix. We'll be back next week, same time, same place here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.